Hi, welcome to another teaching message from Sycamore Church, Ibadan, Nigeria. I'm going to bring up Pastor Puda, but let me tell you about, a bit about him this morning. He is an amazing, amazing gift in the body of Christ. He is somebody that I have known for almost 20 years now. Um, um, okay, so the time we have known each other is different, okay? But I have known him for almost 20 years, you know, celeb status. You're the young guy just looking up as a fresher on campus. He was this amazing guy just doing stuff, leading um, in the fellowship and all of that. And some of the earliest conversations that we had that he doesn't even remember were some of the most inspiring things for me as a young man that really set me on track um, in just following and obeying God's plan for my life. And I would forever be grateful. And it's that same trace of kindness that I have seen all through his life, all through the time that we have been together. He's such a kind heart, such a generous man um, that I'm so grateful for. He is husband of one wife, Pastor Joy, and together they parent four amazing children. Um, right, right there. My wife was joking about him passing on the anointing, but I'm not taking that one. I don't, I'm not taking that part of it, all right? But there's everything else that we're going to receive this morning because he's not just an author, he's a songwriter, he's a singer, but today he's bringing us a word um, from God. He has served in leadership in Kingsword Church around the country, and right now he pastors at Kingsword International Church in Okoroba, Lagos. Sikama Church this morning, can you really get pumped? Let's give a good welcome to Pastor... Oh, Buddha. God in the highest. Can we take a few seconds to just shout? Just make some noise. Just celebrate our King. Hallelujah. Just get wild. Just get excited. Just get crazy in the house of God. Come on, come on, come on. See, come on. Give the Lord a shout. Make some noise. Hallelujah. Break it down. You know, someone said years ago, and I heard, he said, one sure way to frustrate the devil is to celebrate God. You know, oftentimes the devil brings all kinds of setbacks and things like that, challenges, you know, and he wants you to respond to those situations with some sadness, with some, you know, gloom, with some depression and all that. Hallelujah. And so we're going to let him know that he's not winning this match. Hallelujah. Come on, let's prostrate the devil a little bit. Give the Lord a shout. Make some noise. Celebrate Jesus. Hey! No matter what happens, our King is alive. No matter what happens, Jesus remains on the throne. Hallelujah. Glory to God in the highest. Amen, amen, and amen. You know, I had a very lovely time in the first service, but I heard that the second service people, they are the bomb. Am I, am I right about that? 
Hallelujah. Are you people going to fall my hand today or you guys are going to live up to expectations? Come on, come on. Hallelujah. Before you sit down this morning, please help me celebrate my friends, Pastor Tolu and Pastor Debola. Come on, come on, come on. Help me. Help me celebrate them. Celebrate them. Such, such a lovely couple. Such a lovely pair. I've known Pastor Tolu for... Um, let's not go for a while, all right? Let's not do the calculations, are, you know, and he's, he's been... I remember the very first time I remember hearing him speak, you know. I was walking past. It was a gathering. Someone was speaking. I'm like... Ah. I wasn't used to hearing that kind of preaching in that kind of circles, you know. So I'm like, who is this? I had to, I had to come and I'm like, who is this person talking, you know, and I found out it was him. I didn't even know at that time that we had met before. That was my first time, you know, of meeting him, my own thoughts, you know, and I told him in the first service, he's one of my favorite preachers. I like the way he brings God's word. And you're blessed to have a pastor like him. Please celebrate him. Celebrate him. And I finally got to meet Adebola this morning, and I'm yet to recover from the warmth of her personality. He didn't tell the half of it. I'm, tell- I'm serious. I know I was about to meet an angel, and I wasn't disappointed in any way. God bless you, ma'am. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Are we ready for God's word this morning? Let's say a word in prayer before we sit. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the transforming power of your word. As we get into your word this morning, we ask that you teach us, impart us with light and revelation. Let light flood our hearts. Let light flood our parts. Let faith rise in our hearts. And let your word be confirmed with signs following. In Jesus' matchless name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated this morning. I am taking my text from John chapter 5. I'll read verse 39 and 40. Thank you, thank you, guys. Lovely, lovely. Well done. John 5, 39 to 40. This is Jesus speaking. He was talking to the Pharisees at this time. He said, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. Very profound statement. You search the scriptures. All right, so you're going through the scriptures Because you think that in the scriptures you have eternal life. But he's saying the eternal life is not in the scriptures. Eternal life is in me. The scriptures are supposed to point you to me. The scriptures are supposed to bring you to me, Jesus, so that in me you can now have life. And so that's the first point I'm making this morning. That the word of God, the scriptures should point us to Jesus. We must see Jesus in the scriptures. If Jesus is not being revealed to us in the word of God, we, are, we could as well just be reading a newspaper. We can as well just be reading Twelfth Night by William Shakespeare. 
I told them in the first service, uh, what was that quote again now? To thy own self be true, and it follows as the night the day, thou wouldest not need to be true to another. Tell me, doesn't that sound like Ecclesiastes chapter 13 verse 3? Come on, come on, come on. It sounds like it, right? Yeah, but that's 12th night at once in three, William Shakespeare. So the Bible will be limited to just another book if it's not pointing you to Jesus. Jesus is the essence of everything in Scripture. The Bible in its truest essence is the progressive revelation of Jesus Christ. From Genesis to Revelation, Jesus is at the center. And so the scriptures are supposed to, he said they are searching the scriptures. The scriptures are pointing to Jesus. They don't want to come to Jesus. That's what the scripture should do to you. It should point you to Jesus. Hallelujah. So we must see Jesus in the scriptures. And everywhere in scripture, from the old covenant all into the new, we see pictures of Jesus. You know, in Genesis 22, God told Abraham, Take your son Isaac, you know, and go and sacrifice him on Mount Moriah. Remember that story? So, a couple of things. God and Abraham had already cut a covenant, you know. Man. Let's leave covenant. Let's just leave covenant. So, God told Abraham, take your son, go sacrifice him. And so, Abraham took his son Isaac. And he was going up. On the way, Isaac asked Abraham, his father, said, I can see the wood. I can see the, what else did they carry? I can see the fire. I can see all the other, I have not seen the lamb. And Abraham said something profound. He said, God will provide himself a lamb for the sacrifice. I don't know whether Abraham knew what he was saying at that point, but he was speaking prophetically. Because God indeed provided a ram in the thicket, you know, that Abraham sacrificed instead of Isaac. But really, The lamb that God provided wasn't that one. So not only did God provide by himself another ram to be sacrificed, God provided himself the ram, the lamb that was sacrificed on the cross. So Abraham was saying two things in one. God will provide by himself a lamb for the sacrifice. And he was saying, God will provide in himself a lamb for the sacrifice. Glory to God. And so there were pictures of Jesus already in Genesis and all over scripture. So all the feasts that God gave the Israelites, they were all pointing. The feast of Tabernacles, the feast of Ingadrin, the feast of Sabbath, and all those things. You know, they were all pointing, Jesus is our Sabbath. There was a jubilee, for example. Jesus is our jubilee. 
and know and all these things. These things are talking about Jesus. Let's see how the New Testament describes it all. Second, I mean, Colossians chapter 2 from verse 16 to 17. So the entire Bible in its truest essence is a progressive revelation of Jesus. The, the scriptures must point us to Jesus Christ. Colossians 2.16 is telling us about the sacrifices and all in the Old Covenant. He says, so let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths. So these are the things that are, you know, conversant with the Old Covenant. You know, Sabbaths, festivals, all the different festivals and all. He said, don't, don't, don't let anyone judge you based on those things. This is now what he described those things to be. He said, these things are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Hallelujah. So, I started my Nollywood career in the first service. Let me see whether I'll make some more progress this, this service. You know. So, how many of you watch movies? Anybody watches? What, what are your, your favorite kind of movies? Let me see. Sorry? Action. Okay. Autobiography. Wow, deep. Really deep. <laughs> really deep. All right, which other one? Which other one? Sci-fi. Really? All right, drama. Hmm, they are here. Those are my wife's family people. They like drama, you know, romance, you know, just be reading letter. <laughs> Come on. Come on. If you don't want me to sleep off 15 minutes into the movie, give me some action. Let somebody die. And let's be wondering, ah, who killed him? Aha! <laughs> so imagine you're watching an action movie and this guy comes in with a gun you know, running, and somebody else is chasing him, you know, also with a gun, you know, and so he runs, let me move this back a little, I hope it's okay, so he, he runs, you know, imagine, so this is a wall, all right, for the sake of today's service, this is a wall like this, okay, so he hides behind the wall, with his gun in his hand, am I doing it right, and so he peeps, checks. And so he looks, and then after a while, he sees on the ground the shadow of that other person stepping in. You know, so he's watching. And when he sees the shadow, he counts one, two, and he turns, and then he shoots. All right? <laughs> looks like some 007, right? <laughs> so what happened he saw the shadow of the guy, and then he comes out and he shoots. Why did he come out and shoot when he saw the shadow? Because the existence of the shadow tells you that the substance is right there. So the shadow is proof of the existence of the substance. So all these things in the old covenant are shadows. The substance of all those things is Christ. So we shouldn't focus on the shadow. They should just point us to the substance. So imagine this, my guy, is here, and he sees the shadow, and he comes out and shoots at the shadow. 
they will shoot his head. And that's what a lot of people are doing. They are shooting at the shadow. They are focusing on the, the meals. They are focusing on, you know, in any time I hear people say, uh, if you wear this kind of cloth, you're not going to heaven. I'm like, first and foremost, let me just, <laughs> let me just go ahead of myself, go to my second point, which is the fact that apart from seeing Jesus in the scriptures, we must see ourselves in him. Hallelujah. We must see ourselves in him. Because when we got born again, the Bible uses the term baptized into Christ. Romans chapter 6, I think verse 3, it says when we got born again, we were, those of us that were baptized into Christ, we have put on Christ. So when we got born again, a baptism took place. You know, we did water baptism. Water baptism is one of three major baptisms that the Bible talks about. Hallelujah. You know, in Hebrews 6, the Bible was talking about Paul was talking about the fundamental principles of the kingdom. I said we will not lay again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. And he says, and of the doctrine of baptisms. And he actually used plural, the doctrine of baptisms. All right, which tells us that it's not just one baptism. Hallelujah. So there is water baptism, which is a, an outward show of an inward reality. There is baptism in the Holy Ghost, which is followed by the evidence of speaking in other tongues. But the first of all these baptisms is the baptism into Christ. Now, the word baptism is from the Greek word baptizo. It means to immerse. That's why when you're water baptized, you are immersed into water. That's what it means to baptize, to put inside. So, in, in Christ Jesus, we've been baptized. We've been immersed. We are in Christ. Somebody say, I am in Christ. Put your hand on your chest. Say, I've been in Christed. Yeah, that's what happened to you. When you got born again, you were refathered and in Christed. Refathered and in Christed. The devil was our father before we got saved, but we have been refathered. Hallelujah. And we have been in Christed. We are in Christ. Somebody say, I'm in Christ. The best place to be in heaven and on earth is in Christ. Hallelujah. The safest place to be in heaven and on earth is in Christ. If you are in Christ, you can't be afraid of missing heaven. Somebody didn't get that. Let me, let me stand here. If you are in Christ, you cannot not make heaven. I hope I'm not looking for trouble. You are already, see, if you get to heaven and you are not in Christ, they will kick you out. You have to be in Christ to get there. And if you are in Christ, you are already in heaven. You are already in heaven. If you are in Christ, what is the, what is the, what's it called now? What's the yardstick for getting into heaven? It's being in Christ. You become in Christ when you receive him as your Lord and your personal savior. Let me tell your neighbor, I'm in Christ. Say, I've been in Christ. Hallelujah. So, number one, I said we must see Jesus in the scriptures. Number two, we must see ourselves in Jesus. We must see ourselves in Christ. And so, we've been baptized into Christ. So, scripture says something interesting. In um, 2 Corinthians 5.21, 2 
2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Can you put it up for me? I don't think that was one of my... 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Say, for he had made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Somebody say, in him. See, you need to look out for these in him scriptures. In him, in Christ, through him, through whom, by him. Any of those scriptures, you'll find them in the epistles. The epistles are from Romans to Jude. All right? Look for those phrases that have that, you know, terminology. In him, in Christ, by him. Because those scriptures tell you who you are by reason of your redemption, by reason of the fact that you are in Christ. So this is one of them. He says, we have become the righteousness of God in him. In Christ Jesus, you are God's righteousness. Somebody say, I'm the righteousness of God because I'm in Christ. Say, I have the righteousness. Say, say, I have the righteousness that God has. Say, the righteous nature of God is the righteous nature that I have. You know, Paul said in Philippians 3, he says that I may know him and be found in him. You see that in him again? And be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is according to the law, but the righteousness of God, which is by faith in Christ Jesus. So there are two kinds of righteousness. Uh, I didn't plan to go in this direction, though. There is a righteousness which is of the law. And that righteousness, you obtain it by keeping to all the demands of the law. Which was actually impossible. So Jude chapter 2, is it Jude? Yeah, I can't remember. No, James. He says, if you, James 2, if you offend in one part of the law, you are guilty of all. So you can't keep all the requirements of the law. So the only grounds on which a person can obtain righteousness is by Christ. So Paul was saying that, that I want to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, but the righteousness which is by faith in Christ Jesus. And that's the righteousness that we have. Somebody say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Say it again. Say, I'm the righteousness of God because I'm in Christ Jesus. Say, in Christ Jesus, I am righteous. See, righteousness is, righteousness is right standing with God. Let me try this. I'm looking at this clock. Let me try this analogy. So imagine your, I don't know, do you have, yeah, I don't know, you have FRS in, Ibadan, right? Do they stop people on the road? No, 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 no. The way they do in Lagos, eh? Hmm. Do they stop people on the road and check this, check that? Oh, okay. Uh, they are, then they are the same. <laughs> so imagine you're driving and then you see them in front of you, okay? And you quickly check your seatbelt <laughs> and all that, you know. And so they stop you and 
So there are four scenarios that can happen there in which you can be allowed to go once they stop you. If they stop you and they check your seatbelt was on, your fire extinguisher was there, sea caution, your spare tire, you check the expiry date of your tire, self. They, ah, they caught me that day for I'm like, eh? Uh, expired. My tire is expired. So your tire, your tires, everything checks. You understand? And then they say, okay, you can go. So the FRSC declared you righteous at that point. And it was on the grounds of the fact that you had met all the conditions. If we bring that into our Christian journey, we know that that is not possible because we can't meet all the requirements. The law was not given so that we could meet it. The law was given so that when we see that we can't meet it, we cry for help and we receive Jesus whom God was sending to help us. You see, Jesus didn't take it lightly with the Pharisees. You know, he, he was very harsh with them. Because what they had succeeded in doing, and all those um, teachers of the law and all that, was to reduce the standards of the law to a point that could make it look like they were meeting the requirements of the law. And that would have made his coming unnecessary. That's why he was really very cross with them. So he would, in Matthew 5, he started saying, you, you, have, you have heard, um, it's been said, if you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you, whoso looketh at a woman to lust after her has already, he was raising back the standards. Glory to God. Okay, so where am I now? I'm looking at the time. I'm, I remember I just did one on righteousness. Pastor Tulu, how do you do these things? So we must see ourselves in Jesus. Okay, so the one way that can happen is, oh, you've, you've met all the conditions and then they let you go. But that's not possible. So number two, you come and they say, uh, your tire, one of your tires have expired, you know. So what do they do? They give you a fine, okay? You go pay the fine and come back and then they let you go, okay? That's the second option, all right? So let's bring that into our Christian walk. Can we pay the fine for our sins? The wages of sin is death. If we pay the fine, death. By the time we finish paying the fine, we are dead. <laughs> to make matters worse, if we had paid the fine with our lives, even that wouldn't have been accepted. Because the price that had to be paid was that of a spotless lamb. And we are not spotless. Hallelujah. So even if we wanted to go that route, we don't even have what it takes in ourselves to pay the fine of death. So it can't happen like that. So that brings us to option three. Option three is you get there and they see your tire is not, uh, <laughs> your tire is expired or whatever, and they look at you and say, oh God, because of these children for your motto. <laughs> I'm sure if they see me with my four children, <laughs> and they're already crying and making noise, ah, something will touch their heart, you know, or something, you know. And they say, okay, don't worry, good. Next time, we'll go and check this, your tire. 
Or the one that is more common. Yeah. So I got shake body for us. We shake body. For us. I didn't say, please stop recording this part. <laughs> you know? But then that's the third option. They pardon you for what you did wrong. So let's bring that into our Christian journey. Could we be declared righteous on the grounds of a pardon? No, we can't. Because if God pardons us, then he has to pardon everybody. Do you understand? He has to be just for him to be the justifier of them that have faith in him. So if he's going to justify us, he has to do it in a just way. So it can't just be a pardon. The Bible says of him, he will in no wise, how did he put it? He would in no wise, uh, I can't remember that scripture. Somewhere in the Old Testament, when he was talking to Abraham behind that mountain, who would in no wise pardon the, the sinner or something like that. In other words, God is the God of justice. Hallelujah. They call him the judge of all the earth. So he can't tip the balance of justice. He has to do it right. So it can't happen by that route. So, number one, that, oh, we have met all the conditions. No. Number two, we have paid the fine. No. Number three, they pardoned us. No. So how will these people let us go? Is that they give us the fine, and somebody shows up that can pay the fine. He pays the fine for us, and then they let us go. And that's what happened at redemption. So Jesus showed up and paid the price for our sins. And now we have been declared righteous. Somebody say, I am righteous because I am in Christ. And we need to understand these in Christ realities. Because the Bible says in James chapter 5, for example, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So if I am not a righteous man, I'm not sure that my prayers can avail much. But if I know from scriptures that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, I know that my prayers will avail much. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. If I know that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, not in myself. Somebody say in Christ. Say in Christ, I am God's righteousness. That means God hears me when I pray. Say it again. Say, God hears me when I pray. God's ears are open to my prayers. You know, I think it was Kenneth Copeland who said that, you know, some people are just so negative. You know, when it comes to prayer, if you ask them to pray, they are not sure whether or not God will hear. But if you tell them to curse God, they will say no. And he's like, come on now. If you pray, you are not sure he will hear you. But if you curse him, you are sure he will hear. How, how negative. This, no, 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 no. Hallelujah. Say it again. Say, God hears me when I pray. Say, my prayers are powerful because I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And here I am again looking at the time. So we must see ourselves in Jesus. Hallelujah. And in Christ, we are his righteousness. In Christ, we are redeemed. We have been bought out of the dominion of the devil. We've been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Hallelujah. 
In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins. Somebody say in him, in him, in him. Hallelujah. Quickly, third point, John chapter 12 and verse 20. Let's begin to bring this to a close. John 12 from verse 20. It says, now there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. Then they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Now, have you ever been at that point where you asked a simple question and they gave you a complicated answer? When I first moved to the West, I was born and bred in Port Harcourt. So I moved to, I came to the West, you know, shortly before I got into university. So I landed in Lagos, and I wanted to go to church, a particular church. And my cousin told me, when you get to the bus stop, take this particular bus to so-so-so-and-so place. So I got to the bus stop, and all the conductors were just shouting. We're just speaking gibberish, just making noise, just saying plenty things, you know. So luckily, one of them stopped directly in front of me, as in this guy was directly in front of me. As in, I'm sure we could inhale each other's breath. We were so close. And I'm like, where are you going? Or where you they go? I said, Where you they go? Now you begin speaking tongues like this guy. Which one? <laughs> Praise God. You know, so we have that kind of moment here. They asked Jesus a simple question. Okay, so they came and said, um, no, back to the... So Philip told, came and told Andrew that there are some Greeks here who have come to see Jesus. And in turn, Andrew told Philip, and both of them went to Jesus. Now, this is Jesus' response. But Jesus answered them saying, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains a... You guys are laughing already, right? But if it dies, it produces much grain. Yeah. Come on, what's, what's going on here? Ah, some people want to see you. Now you begin to talk about grain, talk about wheat, talk about... Ah. Hallelujah. So what exactly was Jesus saying? He said, the Greeks have come to see you and Jesus said, that's a sign. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Why is that so? He said, except a corn of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it will bring forth many. So right now, I am alone. I'm the only Jesus here. And people are now coming from Greece. The Greeks are now coming all the way. Remember, he had said to the Syrophoenician woman, that I'm not sent but to the lost tribe of Israel. So in his ministry on the earth, Jesus focused on Israel. But by the time he had risen 
and was giving the disciples their mandate, he said, you will be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. But right now, I'm the only one standing. And so I must fall to the ground and die because when I do that, many other Jesuses can arise that will take this gospel message to the ends of the earth. And you are one of those Jesuses. You are one of those Jesuses. Hallelujah. And so the third point is that our world needs to see Jesus in us. Our world needs to see Jesus. And just like those Greeks came in and said, we would see Jesus, the world wants to see Jesus. The Bible says in Romans 8, the earnest expectation of creation awaits the manifestation of the sons of God. They're waiting for a manifestation. They want to see Jesus. Hallelujah. And we are the only Jesus that they will ever see. Jesus is not going to come down from heaven again to show himself to anybody. Remember the story he shared about Lazarus and the rich man and how the rich man said, send Lazarus back to my brothers to tell them about, uh, you know, so that they don't come to this place. And um, Abraham told him, they have the prophets. They have, so there's not, there's no message that God is going to send from the other side. Uh -uh. The people that God is going to use to do what he's going to do, they are here on the earth. And they are the ones I'm speaking to this morning. Hallelujah. So see Jesus in the scriptures. But go beyond that. See yourself in Jesus. And then take it a step further. Let the world see Jesus in you. Be an ambassador of Christ Jesus, carrying him everywhere you go. Let them see him in you as they see his power walking in and through your life. Hallelujah. He said, I've given you power to thread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. He said, the works that I do, you will do also, and greater works than these shall you do, because I go unto my Father. Hallelujah. What are the works that he did? Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus Christ with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. And the same way God was with him, he is with us. Hallelujah. So we go about doing that. That's why Mark 16 says, and this sign shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall cast out demons. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they eat any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. These are the works of Jesus. Hallelujah. And we will do these works because the world needs to see Jesus and we are the only Jesus they will ever see. If we don't do it, if we don't walk the works of God, they can't. They can't see it. It's only in us that they will see it. The world needs to see Jesus' wisdom manifested through us. And Christ, 1 Corinthians 1.30 Christ has been made unto us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So Christ has been made unto us wisdom. And we know that Jesus displayed wisdom in his earthly walk. And that wisdom is available to us as well. Hallelujah. And so we must show that wisdom in our business, on the job, in our schools, in everything that we do. Hallelujah. The wisdom of God at work. Glory to God. 
Bible says wisdom is justified by her children, but the kind of results that we get, hallelujah, in life must display the wisdom of God. Most importantly, the world must see Jesus through us as we show forth his love. Our biggest testimony of Jesus is the testimony of his love. It's the testimony of his love. The testimony of his love. There is nothing this world needs more than love. And we are the ones that have been given the capacity to love. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 verse 5, it says the love of God is shared abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Wow. The love of God is shared abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. So the love is our new law. You know, God had said, God had said in, was it Jeremiah or Ezekiel? I think it's Ezekiel 36. He said, I will write my laws in their hearts. You remember that? And the only place we see the fulfillment of that is in Romans 5.5. When he says, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. Because his law for us now is love. Jesus has said in John, John, is it 15.34? Let me check. John 13.34. He said a new commandment. John 13.34, please. Thank you. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Hallelujah. So we have a new law. We have a new commandment. That's the commandment of love. And God has put it in our hearts. Love is our nature. Hallelujah. Love is our nature. We have the capacity to love. Listen, every time, you know, there's someone in your life, you're finding it difficult to forgive, you are beginning to act anti-nature. You are beginning to act like somebody you are not. You know, if I start crawling like this, I'm backing, you know, you start wondering what's wrong with me, you know, because a human being is supposed to walk on two legs, you know, but I can try to crawl on my fours, you know. I just won't make a lot of progress, but I can try to be doing this. But by nature, this is how I'm supposed to move about. So by nature, love is how you're supposed to live. And every time you are acting in bitterness, unforgiveness, and all that, you are behaving like that person that is trying to crawl like a dog. That's not your nature. You're a love being. Hallelujah. You're a love being. That's our new nature. That's our new law. And in the kingdom of God, you know, Romans, give me Romans, wow, Romans 8. Romans 13, 8. Romans 13, 8. Love is so important. It says, Oh, no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Wow. He who loves another has fulfilled the law. Verse 9, all the way to 10. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. 
and if there is any other commandment, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So in the new covenant, we don't need to try to cram the Ten Commandments. We don't need to try to know all the different things that we're supposed to do or not to do. All we need to do is live by one law, and that's the law of love. Hallelujah. Verse 35 of John chapter 13. It says, By this shall men know that you are my disciples when you have love one for another. One for another. And that love begins in the house of God amongst our brothers. Because if we can't love one another within the church, how can we export that love to reach the world? Love one another. Do good to all men, particularly those that are of the household of faith. Let's rise to our feet. Hold your brother's hand. Hold your sister's hand to the left and to the right. One of the ways you show love to one another is by praying for one another. Whoever you pray for, whoever you pray with, whoever you pray to, they say you get intimate with. Hold your brother's hand and let's pray. Let's pray. Take a minute and pray for your brother. Take a minute and pray for your sister. Lift your voices and talk to God about him or her. Pray, pray, pray. Pray, pray. Pray, pray, pray. That they will become all that God intends them to be in Christ Jesus. Pray. That God will perfect all that concerns them. Pray. If you have an idea of a specific need in the life of your brother or sister, you can go ahead and talk to God about that. If you don't, then pray generally. That as we end this year, God will crown the year with his goodness. That God will perfect all that concerns them. Pray. Whatever it is that you desire for yourself, pray it for your brother. Pray it for your sister. Pray that God's love that has been shared abroad in our hearts will continue to rule in all our endeavors. That we'll grow up to be a stronger family of love. That God's love will bind us together so strongly. That there is no weight, there is no weapon that the enemy can bring against us that will separate us. What can separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing will separate us. We'll continue to grow in our love for one another and in our love for Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Before you sit down this morning, just in case your brother or your sister doesn't know Jesus personally, hasn't come into a personal relationship with Jesus, isn't born again, hasn't received him as Lord and Savior, let's all bow our heads and shut our eyes for a brief minute. You can start a relationship with Jesus today. You can receive the life that Jesus has come to give. And all you need to do is believe in Jesus, that he is the son of God, that he died for your sins, and he rose again from the dead. And then you make a confession of Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you're here this morning and you've never done that, or maybe you've done it at some point, but you've just gone on to live your life as though 
you didn't make a commitment to Jesus and you want to make a fresh commitment, you want a fresh start, I'd like to pray with you this morning. Wherever you are, just lift your hands. Let's agree with you. Let's lead you into a walk with Jesus. Just lift your hands wherever you are. You want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? I want to make a fresh commitment to live for him. Just lift your hands. If your hand is up, I can't. Okay, I see that hand at the back. Thank you. Anybody else? Just lift your hands wherever you are. Just lift your hands. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If your hand is up wherever you are, just say this prayer with me. Say, dear God, I come to you today in the name of Jesus. I believe in my heart that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus died for my sins and he rose again from the dead. I confess today Jesus as my Savior. Jesus, you are my Lord. I surrender my life to you and I receive your life in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for accepting me. I am now your child. You are now my father. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible says there is great rejoicing in heaven over every soul that repents. And Jesus said we should pray the will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if there is great rejoicing in heaven, there should be great rejoicing here on earth. Great rejoicing at Sycamore this morning. Thank you so much for joining us here at Sycamore Church. If you prayed that prayer at the end, we're so excited about your decision for Jesus. And we would love to help you get established in your relationship with him. So please let us know about your decision at www.sycamore.church forward slash Jesus. There you'll also find all kinds of resources to help you build your relationship with Jesus. If you enjoyed this message, we would love for you to subscribe wherever you're listening. Or visit www.sycamore.church forward slash resources. Again, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.